Welcome to the Nerd Party. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Throwback Paperback. I'm one of your hosts, Charles Sheeland. And I'm the other host, Asia Bonilla. We're back this week finishing the first book of the Divergent trilogy, The Eponymous Divergent. So we will be starting the second book, Insurgent, next week. And as we say for you every week, and for anyone who just happens to be new to the show, we're a podcast with the Nerd Party Network. We're best friends, and we read and reread YA books from our adolescence, and we share these books with each other. And we started the show with a series that I had read, the Percy Jackson series, and Charles read it for the first time. Then we moved on to a series Charles had read, and I read it for the first time. And we've been alternating back and forth since then. And right now, we're once again on a series that I have read, but Charles has not. So I'm rereading, and Charles is reading for the first time. And in case you didn't get a chance to read along, we always give a plot summary of the reading. So this week, Charles is providing us with a summary for the second half of Divergent. Yes. So Tris is continuing through initiation and she's being all romantic and stuff with four and she learns that he was actually a divergent abnegation like her and his name is tobias she goes through phase three of initiation and actually scores top of her class in dauntless while getting more and more suspicious of the erudite during the night of her initiation all the dauntless are brought into a simulation by the erudite and attack the abnegation killing most of them, or at least a lot of them, including Triss's mom and dad. And Triss and Tobias and Caleb and Marcus manage to sort of end the invasion, and they're running away to Amity, but I might be getting that wrong, but honestly, the ending was so rushed, so maybe Asia can clarify for me. But anyway, that's the main frame of what happened in the reading. And that was also my impression, was that the ending was kind of rushed, and like left me a little unsure of what actually happened and there were some other things that I really like actively did not like so I will save those for the end of the reading or the end of the episode I should say and I will also say that I thought that the romance was pretty heavy-handed but honestly that was my favorite part of the reading (laughs) so before I get too bogged down with specifics why don't you go ahead Asia Yeah, so I, of course, I really enjoyed the romance, even though at times I also felt that it was just a little too perfect, which I also agree that for me, even for when I read it for the first time, I think my favorite part about Divergent, which I mentioned in the last episode, is the romance and the idea that there's no love triangle. Like, it's clear that it's just Triss and Four, like, falling for each other, so I enjoyed that, but rereading I did kind of get that idea of it just seemed a little too perfect a little too predictable and as for the ending I also didn't remember it being that abrupt but like we said we'll discuss that more at the end but I will just say that kind of like we started to bring up in the last episode this series has gotten a lot of criticism just for like it her not spending as much time on the series which I think we're gonna see as we talk about in this episode just like things that like don't fully make sense or just aren't fully explained that well. And this is something I think that will continue throughout the rest of the trilogy. Gotcha. Well, let's get into the plot and then we'll definitely talk about the ending probably a lot. So first off, Triss, she places first in stage two, which means that everyone is mean to her, including her friends. 
And beyond Will and Christina being mean, Al actually joins Peter in attacking her. And I don't think I, like, I kind of remember this part, but I still just, like, out of all the people who would be attacking her, I just can't believe it was Al, which for anyone who doesn't remember, Al was the one who was like, he's like a bigger guy, but he's kind of struggling through initiation because he doesn't really like hurting other people. And he also had a crush on Triss that she didn't feel the same way. But so he ends up being among the ones that jump Triss for ranking number one in stage two. And first of all, I wrote that this is why men suck because of course, you know, she didn't, wasn't interested in him or for whatever reason he feels threatened by her so therefore he's going to be violent towards her and with the group of people who attack her they grope her which so like just absolute trash like I didn't fully remember that part of like everything that happened it was it was still pretty like pg of what happened but still like or I guess maybe pg-13 would be the correct rating but um it's just like again men suck sometimes Oh, yeah. And what shocked me was that, like, Triss is acutely aware of the violation that happened. Like, obviously, people know when they're violated. But, like, I wasn't sure the tone of this book. Like, I wasn't sure that Triss was going to vocalize it in the same way. Because, you know, we've talked about how the writing is not exactly the most complex. But, like, when she's talking to Four about it afterwards, she's like, they touched me inappropriately. And I was like, oh, like, we're we're going there. But then, you know, she's going to, like say the word sex later. Whereas, like, even in Twilight, you know, I mean, obviously they move to more adult content, but, like, it's very well, tame. in Twilight, you still said that you didn't even know that they had if they had sex or not. That's true. And that's what I'm saying. Like, she when she's like, they touched me almost, like, almost completely, like, you know, sexually abusing me. Or almost, like, Well, you know. I think how she said it was, she was like, they touched me. And he was like, it's okay. And he's like, you don't understand. And then she's like, you don't understand. They touched me. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I like, thought that part was like, well done how she. Yeah, that's what I mean. I was it. like, oh, we're going there because they really did violate her. And I was, yeah, I, th- I agree. I thought that part was well done. But, and this actually all happens because she overheard Eric talking to someone about the dangers of divergent rebels. And that's. Like, she sneaks out and she hears them. And that's when Peter and Al attack her. Yes. And Four ends up saving Triss in this attack. But right there, I wrote down, this is yet another reason to never join Dauntless. Because after this, you know, she gets assaulted, but she can't report it because it will make her look weak and scared. But at the same time, at least Four gives her the advice that she needs to really show vulnerability and that she had been hurt by the attack and maybe she was even a little scared because now her friends, Will and Christina, will be more willing to protect her because they will see her as weak. And literally when she comes back, Will literally says the words, we'll protect her. So the plan definitely worked. Yeah, a little heavy-handed. But it's definitely a bit of an emotional roller coaster. Like, she has to, like act vulnerable but also she can't like show the dauntless leaders that she's vulnerable yeah but what i will say is that i was glad that tris didn't forgive al for that so we should say then al flings himself down the pit committing suicide and i obviously don't wish that on anyone like at all i'm not saying that i'm glad he killed himself because that's not what i mean but i do think it would have been pretty feeble of her character to forgive him especially like literally like 12 hours afterwards like 
it would have been either feeble or like way too like magnanimous or generous of a character to be like, oh, it's okay. You know, everybody makes mistakes. Like no one is that good or kind of a person. So I really, really appreciated actually that Tris didn't just like let it slide, you know? Yeah. And in response to Al's suicide, Four actually makes a comment to Tris about using guilt as a tool to better yourself that Tris recognizes as a very distinct abnegation lesson. Like she says that they used to say it, like her father used to say it like in weekly meetings and abnegation. So hint, hint, wink, wink for what we find out in a second. And that's that four is actually from abnegation originally. Which we find out in the most like sex metaphor way possible. Like this is when we get super tame in the like intimacy conversation because four takes Tris into his fear landscape And then as soon as it started and it was like, it'll take you through your separate fears, I was like, oh my God, I bet four has four fears and that's why they call him that. And then that's actually what happened. And then, you know, Tris like helps him confront his fears and they have to be like really close to confront his fear of claustrophobia. Like it just felt so heavy handed in their intimacy that like also his fears are exactly what she's, like, able to help him through, you know? I didn't, I don't think I, this part didn't bother me as much. It didn't bother me, per se, but it was just, like, aggressively, like, the things that he needs help with, like, she's the perfect puzzle piece for. I don't know if she, I don't think, I didn't get the vibe that she's the perfect puzzle piece. I think it's just the idea for that part. Obviously, if it's his fear landscape, unless they happen to have the same fear, she's not going to be as affected by it. For what you're saying about being heavy-handed, I mean, that's why I think we'll see this throughout this book and the next couple of books of, like, the heavy-handedness in the romance is probably why, you know, my, like, middle school self was, like, eating this stuff up. <laughs> Whereas definitely now I, I understand what you're saying, but this part I didn't have as much of an issue with for that part. Per se. Yeah. Well, but then, of course, this part gets resolved really, like, well or tragically, you know. Writing, written well, tragic plot-wise, because we find out that Marcus, the abnegation leader, is Four's father, and he used to beat him. And Four is Tobias, Marcus's son, the one who left abnegation that was such a huge scandal. And that also explains why Tobias hates abnegation, because this abnegation leader, who was his father, was totally not abnegation at all, and they all, you know, respected him. So my theory was completely wrong about, (laughs) well, it wasn't wrong completely. I was right that Tobias is divergent, but it was not that he got qualities of all four Yeah, you're, the only thing that you, I guess, guessed correctly is that he was divergent, but that one was probably the most obvious. that was super obvious. (laughs) That wasn't really a guess. As I said, actually, I said last episode, it wasn't a guess. Like, Tori literally says, you could only know someone is divergent in simulations if you were divergent. So we knew, actually. Yeah. So for you, Asia, did you remember all of this stuff about four, or were, did it come back to you, like, in pieces, or did you just know from, like, memory? So, I mean, I specifically remember when they mentioned at the very beginning of the book, they talked about the son leaving abnegation, Marcus. I didn't make the connection mm-hmm. then. It was when Tris, I think it's, Tris starts wondering what faction he came from. Like when she realizes that he's not Dauntless born, I was like, oh yeah, I remember. I was like, he's 
the he's Marcus's son from Abnegation. Like I just immediately made that connection, but I didn't make it until that point. And then as far as for like the four fears, I didn't remember that until the scene was coming up right on itself. I knew it was something to do with that, but I think I was getting confused because I thought it had something to do. I knew it had something to do with the rankings and stuff with it was from when he so was you were like, was he? F- yeah, I knew he wasn't fourth. Cause I was like, I'm pretty sure he was first, but like I knew it had something to do with that. I couldn't. It wasn't until they introduced the idea of the fear landscape that I remembered. I was like, oh, yeah, they go in there and then they're going to have their fears identified as single like things. And that's when we find out he only has the four fears, which I don't think we said, but his four fears are heights. He's claustrophobic. He obviously fears his father, Marcus. And then what was the other one? And something about his mom. Oh, he fears killing, he fears killing like a woman, which I don't think they resolved this, but I'm, I wrote in my notes, I think in the fear, it's like he has to shoot a woman or whatever, but it doesn't identify who it is. And I think I wrote in my notes that I think it's his mother, but I I don't know. Cause actually that was never followed up in the book, which maybe we'll get that insurgent, but honestly, I don't remember, but I like remember writing that down. Yeah. I, it was definitely something about a woman, but, it, like, it shifted pretty quickly, too. Because he just does it. Also, I mean, it could just be, like, the idea of, like, killing people, like. Yeah, like, he doesn't want to kill innocent people. Oh, I think. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't think this is a spoiler, but I think because also in the fear, it's somebody tells him to shoot. Which, if I remember correctly, maybe we'll get an explanation later. And I don't know if this is a spoiler or not, but I think it's his fear is of like being controlled, like mm. being forced to do things he doesn't want to do. Cause like it's not even just that he killed this person, he was told to kill this person and he had to obey. I think that's what it's about. Gotcha. But well, I could that, be wrong. Well, either way, it kind of gets sco- scooted over to that big reveal. But like after like the super intimate moment of them in the fear landscape. This leads to their first kiss. And I just have to say something. <laughs> because right before this happens, like, Tris keeps saying, she's like, I'm not pretty. Like, I don't understand why you're into me. Like, I'm so ugly. Like, I'm just completely average. And he's like, no, you're not. And she's like, yes, I am. I'm just so, like, average. And then he's like, yeah, you're not pretty. And I was like, oh, my gosh. When a girl says that she's not pretty, you're never supposed to agree with her. I mean, yeah. Yeah. But apparently she is objectively average. No, obviously you should never call well, Also, I guess that is something I guess it's like really emphasized in the novel because obviously like Shailene Woodley plays. Gorgeous. Who's gorgeous plays her in the movies, which I mean, makes sense. It's Hollywood. They don't usually pick actually like mediocre looking people. Mm-hmm. But I just thought it was like interesting. So I'm like, well, that there's no way that lines in the movie because like that's just laughable. Like, yeah, I mean, it would have been. Yes, a totally not, like, a realistic way that you should, like, talk to someone. But it would have been really disgustingly corny if he was, like, you're gorgeous to me. Like, I think you're, like, beautiful. Like, he could have said something, like... I guess it, like, makes sense for his character. Because he was, like, he's, like, it doesn't matter. He's, like, I like you. Like, that's basically what he said, which I guess fits his character dynamic. Like, he's not all, like, in his feelings and, like, corny, like you just said. Like, that's not his character. Also... She's been getting beat up in training for a week or so, so she's definitely not <laughs> looking her best right now. Like, even if she was gorgeous, she's got, like, she's all messed up. She's all bruised, yeah. all, like, she has fresh tattoos, so they're not healed. Like, she can't look that good right now. Like, even if she <laughs> was gorgeous, like, she's not exactly, like, 
peak body season. I mean, she's ripped. She's, she's just ripped. That's true. Black and blue. <laughs> Yikes. And so then, okay, this is when I got really mad at her. So the next day, he's treating her like every other person, and he tells her it was pathetic when she freaked out during the fear landscape. Yes, and then he, like, yells at her in front of everyone, so she ends up punching him in the face and running away, and she ends up leaving the Dauntless compound to go to the Erudite compound to try to find Caleb, her brother. Yes, but before we get there, this is, like, one of the sections that I really didn't like, Tris, and it's you know, her, she being immature, like, you know, smitten, like, first crush vibes where you're distracted. But, like, she's so lovesick, and she's, like, like, I was just like, what did she expect? Like, he's her trainer still. Like, did she expect him to, like, make out with her in front of everyone? Like, people probably already suspect them because they keep panting every time they're near each other. And, like... She was acting like such a child. She's like, oh, my God, he doesn't care about me. Oh, will he sit with me for breakfast this morning? Like, he's never sat with you for breakfast. Like, that would be super strange if he did that while he's your trainer. Or, like, she's like, oh, my God, he just wants to use me. I'm like, what has given you that impression that he wants to use you? Like, and then she's like, oh, my God, he was mean to me in front of other people. I'm like, that's his job. Like, he would get in a lot of trouble, and you would get in a lot of trouble if you guys started making out during training. So, I... I don't know. I just thought it was super annoying because she, like, it just, it was, it was a pathetic moment for her character who I otherwise have not thought is that pathetic. But what do you think, Asia? Um, I guess for me, like, this is almost thing. I'm like, I don't think this part didn't bother me that much. I think because I was more just focused on like getting through it. Um, because yeah, like I think, I mean, also we just remember, I mean, she's still what, like a 16 year old girl. This is her first crush. Like it makes sense why she would act kind of dumb and insecure. Yeah. But honestly, I mean, to me, I wasn't as bothered by that as much as like, why did she go see Caleb? Like to me, that just didn't really make any sense. So I feel like I was more bothered by that. Oh yeah. Well, also I think that part of it was like, I also didn't like her going to see Caleb because that made no sense either. It just felt like we needed a plot device for her to investigate the erudite. Well, also because, I mean, when she goes to the erudite, like, first of all, she finds her way there. She goes in the first building and she's talking to people and all of a sudden Caleb in this compound with who knows how many people, thousands of people. He just happens to be in the same place at the same time that she happens to walk in the door. Like, those are just kind of things of like, a little too convenient yeah but that to me like that bothered me more and then like she goes to talk to caleb and caleb is all team erudite obviously because that's his new faction which makes her mad which like why is she mad when this is his faction like like she's all tatted up yeah and then she ends up like some erudite like guards or something come get her for her to go talk to janine who is the erudite leader and she has, like, a weird conversation with her where, you know, Janine obviously clearly suspects there's something going on with Triss. Like, she almost definitely knows that Triss is divergent because some of Triss' tests, like, most of her tests haven't been recorded, which, you know, seems like a convenient mistake to have happened more than once. Like, super suspicious. And then Triss says that she decides to act like she's just super into Dauntless, like she's an idiot. Like, all she cares about is, like, violence. And I was like... What? Like, that's just not believable at all. The whole thing, like, from her, like, having a freak out with four to, like, magically 
finding her way to Erudite and, like, finding Kayla immediately to, like, tricking Janine long, like, or, like, being able to, like, like, Janine is pretty ruthless, as we see later on in the book, so she kind of just lets Triss go, and then she gets back, and she gets away with it. And Triss, four makes up the least believable cover story of, she wanted to kiss me, and I said no, and she's a pathetic girl, and Eric is like, okay, that's fine. I'm like, And then he this walks nothing- away and leaves them alone. For them to make out. (laughs) For them to make out again. And also, like, this is not how the Dauntless have punished people. Like, Christina literally said no once. And he's like, you got to hang yourself off a cliff for five minutes. Whereas this girl literally runs off of the compound during training, which is way bigger of an offense. And he's like, oh, she's just a silly little girl. Like, Yeah, it just wasn't, it didn't really make sense with the plot. That was definitely, like, just a, a low point. For the plot, like, it just, it didn't really make sense. I don't really understand what the point of it was at all. I mean, I guess to introduce her to Janine so she, like, could meet her in person. And so she, I guess it set up because she had to go tell Caleb about to look into the simulation that her mom had asked her to do way back at the visitation day. So that's literally... Yeah. She came up with all that for that one thing that needed to push the plot forward. It just, yeah. It was so... God, it was so... Clunky, like there were, and there were no repercussions for it. Yeah, it just, it really felt like they needed a reason for her to go over to the erudite, and so we make up this really bad backstory, and then like she comes back, and we just forget that she went to the erudite. Yeah. Yeah. Also, because like no one else finds out, like she doesn't, she literally doesn't get in trouble. No, Four doesn't talk to her about it. She's like, I just want to see my family, and Four is like, Okay, let's make out. Like the the yeah. <laughs> Like, that's literally all that happens. He's not even, like, you shouldn't, like, show, like, you should be careful. Like, like it's not, yeah, I don't know. It just, it really, yeah, that was okay. a low point, like you said. Anyway, so then we get to the level three exams for the initiation, which is the fear landscapes. And for Triss's fear landscape, we find out she only has seven fears, which I wrote them down which she obviously has the crows that she experienced before in the simulation, her drowning in the glass box. She also gets another drowning in the ocean, which she talks about she must just, like, she likes being in control, so, like, the lack of control is what is her actual fear, but I guess in two different settings. And then her next one is being burned alive by Peter and then being kidnapped, probably from, like, the trauma of Peter and Al and them grabbing her. And then a very awkward one, Tobias is in her fear landscape because she's afraid to sleep with him. And then finally killing her family. So those were her seven fears, but definitely the one with Tobias. (laughs) I know Charles didn't like that part. (laughs) I didn't hate it. I really didn't hate it, actually. It was just... I mean, I mean, thank goodness he wasn't watching. Like, talk, it was just so that was awkward. the that was the whole thing. The whole time I was like, do the trainers watch the fear landscape with them? That it's was the just whole thing. The leaders. Like, be... Well, Eric, Eric, because he's a leader too. He saw it. Yes. So I mean, already and, then their relationship was outed. I mean, I guess Eric might have been just giggling because he knew that, like, well, it according leads into to Eric's story, idea that she's just really horny for. She's for, just really, really into four. Yeah. That's so embarrassing. But also because that happens and then, like, they never bring it up. I mean, she tells Four about it, but, like... And he, like, kisses her and he's, like, feel better. And she's, like, okay. Like, ugh. 
Yeah. Yes. It was, yeah, it was super awkward because the leaders are watching the simulation and they laughed about it. Yeah, and then, but more importantly. Also, like, well, just before we leave that, like, that's a totally legitimate fear. Like, like to have sex for the first time and to be intimate with someone is well, like a it is perfectly a very, reasonable fear. It's a very legitimate fear, especially, I mean, I do think, because she talks about, I mean, obviously for her coming from abnegation, like, physical affection, all that stuff is, like, very, like, shoved to the side. So for her, it's especially like a new feeling. So she has no confidence in that, you know, area. So it totally makes sense why that would be, like, a, an actual fear that would uh, unfortunately show up for the, all the leaders to see. But... Anyway, more importantly, though, in her last fear, which is about killing her family, so shooting her mom, her dad, and Caleb, her brother, instead of shooting her family, she actually sacrifices herself because it's similar to, like, Tobias's that, like, there's somebody telling him to shoot someone, but it's it's Janine in in hers, yeah. Triss's fear, telling her to kill her family, and she's holding up a gun to Triss, and then Triss like drops the gun and is like, "No, shoot me." So like, still very abnegation of her, like very selfless. Which something that I do think is a good theme that's talked about is like the like the relationship between selflessness and bravery, because obviously, usually to be brave, you're thinking not about yourself. You're thinking about maybe protecting others or protecting people you love. So it's like definitely like those cross paths a lot. Absolutely. And then she even gets abnegation, the abnegation symbol as a tattoo, which is we're really getting this thematic idea that Triss is not belonging. Like Triss does not belong to this discrete system. I mean, we know she's divergent, but like the idea that you can't have a discrete system of like divide people into one of five categories and everyone is going to fit into one of those. Like it's very, very clear that you can't just be, or, you know, the best characters are not just one, you know, one facet of flat personalities. But anyway, that's going to, I'm sure that's going to figure into the rest of the series because that's literally the whole rest of the book. And then after the test, she does actually tell Tobias that that was a fear. Like, she tells him right away. I mean, so she is dauntless for, like, she confronts that fear really quickly. Yeah, and Tobias is kind of, I feel like, hurt at first because he thinks, like, she's afraid of him. And he's like, why would you be afraid of me? And then she's like, no, it's because, like, I'm afraid to be with you. (laughs) And then (laughs) Tobias is like... (laughs) And then he basically, he says that he's also a virgin, so she literally has nothing to worry about. Which, this is one of the moments where I was like, seems a little too convenient to me. A little too perfect. I completely agree. Like, I, I was one of those moments where I was like, he is so attractive. Like, she, she's literally never stops talking about this man's arms. Like, she literally sees him and, like, breathes heavily. And she's like, oh, my God, he going to hear me breathing heavily. Like, she must be, like, she's salivating when she sees this man. Like, he's got to be absolutely gorgeous. And then she, you know. And he seems, like, pretty zen and balanced otherwise. So, yeah, I completely agree. I was like, it seems a little too perfect that he is, you know, a shy virgin who's also, like, nervous to, like, show his feelings that way. I mean, I could see, I mean, because he is an, he's the idea is he's abused. He was abused. Ideally, not ideally, he was abused. What we would assume is his whole childhood. So obviously that does come with it. Like maybe he doesn't want to share himself with anybody because he's got all these feelings locked inside. I don't know. 
But it felt very convenient. I agree. But it did feel very. I mean, it's just like in in Twilight how Edward, this hundred something year old being, is a virgin. <laughs> and he's like, I've literally been saving myself for over a century for you because the way your blood smells. And she's like, Okay, but let me go like flirt with this like werewolf just for a little bit, like this immature just creepy, creepy man, just in case. And she's like, I had to kiss him just to Back be a plan. sure. And he's like, and then Edward is like, that's fine. You can kiss him. You can do whatever you want with him. I don't care. As long as you like. He can have your baby. Like he, he can, can bear you he, he can bear your children as long as you're happy. Like, yeah, Edward's like unconditional love of Bella, too perfect. Tris being, I mean, four being perfect. Yeah. Well, I guess we can call him Tobias now. Thank God. Saying four was so Yeah, hard. I call him Tobias now because he tells. He's like, call me my, he, by my name. I, I mean, no, no, no. When also <laughs> was the first time, he's like, don't call me four anymore. And she's like, well, what am I supposed to call you? He's like, I don't know yet. Because he doesn't tell her. His real <laughs> I name. don't know yet. So I'm like, well, then what is she supposed out. to call you? Yeah. I mean, he, he, I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, but he's Tobias now. But so after that happens, Tris ends up ranking number one, just like Tobias. So they're twins. And then she kisses him in front of everyone. But, like, in the kiss, because she's all like, this is the best moment of my life. Like, I'm becoming dauntless. I've got my hot boyfriend now, and we can reveal our relationship. But then she realizes that because right after (laughs) everything comes (laughs) crashing down in her brain, like, it's all fireworks and balloons, and then it goes into, like, explosions and, like, the world ending. Because right after she finished her fear landscape, Eric came and, like, injected her with something else. And he said it was a tracking serum that they were incorporating for all of the Dauntless people so that you'll be able to, like, be tracked. But she just realized that if they injected everybody, this must be how the Erudite are planning to control the Dauntless for their, like, planned, like, rebellion, revolution thing. Well, also because she realizes that the serum that they injected her with it was not translucent, but the serum that they used for the... Or, like, it was... She realized something about, like, the color that, like, it the serums that are colored have it are simulation serum. Why are you laughing at me? I guess. I don't remember. That's literally the point. She's like, the serum for the aptitude test is different than the simulation, than the serum that they use for the simulations in Dauntless. And the one that they inject people with when they say is a tracker is also dark like the one that they use in the Dauntless simulations. And she's like, simulation serums are darker. Therefore, they actually injected everyone with the simulation. And that's how they're going to control the Dauntless. Yep. And what? I just said, yep. I said, yes. Oh, oh. I was like, that's what happened, right? Did I read that correctly? <laughs> <laughs> was I already confused at this point? And then... I, when she did that, I was like, oh my God, this is why they hate divergence because divergence obviously can like break out of simulations. They can like understand them. So this is obviously why Janine would call them divergent rebels because they're not going to, you know, follow the mindless they simulation. They diverge like, from the path. Well said. Well done. <laughs> they diverge from the designated path. And then it happens literally that night. Yeah, everything escalates, like, extremely quickly. Like, it goes from her, like, ranking number one, kissing to Tobias, to everyone waking up in the middle of the night to put on their shoes, like, they're sleepwalking, and Tris has no idea what's going on. Like, she's like, what the heck? Like, everyone's just getting dressed, so she goes with them, and obviously this is when Tris realizes, you know, the serum doesn't work on her, 
because she's divergent and she's hoping that it's not going to work on Tobias because at this point she doesn't know for sure that he's divergent. He's never said that he is, but well, she's he's like, I'm not. And he's told her that he isn't, but she's like, I'm convinced he is. Yeah. She's like, he's just a liar. Like, <laughs> and so then when she finds him in the crowd, he like grabs her hand, you know, so romantic. And so obviously he's you know, divergent too. Surrounded by assault rifles. So romantic. <laughs> So they're, like, trying to figure out they're going to escape, and this is when we figure out, like, what the whole plan is, and basically the Erudite are getting these mindless, dauntless soldiers to invade abnegation and just kill people, just kill everybody, kill the parents, the grown-ups, the children, everybody, everybody in gray, kill them all. That's basically what's happening. They're literally just wiping people out. And Triss and Tobias try to escape, but Triss gets shot, and then they both get caught by the Erudite people. And the amount of time Asia just spent explaining that plot is basically the amount of time we get in the book for that all to happen. Like, it goes so quickly. Yeah, it goes very quickly. And then, again, quite quickly, once they get captured and taken to Janine, Janine gives Tobias a serum, another serum, that somehow works on him, that makes him confuse friend with enemy, which, again, if he's divergent, why would a serum work on him? Oh, I'm seething right now. But we'll get to that. Which at the end of the so episode. she does that, and then she says that she's gonna. She sends Triss to get executed because since Triss is injured very badly, she's like, I can't do anything with you, because I think she says something about how she wants to like use the divergent, like to to figure out what's what's with their mind, so she can like adjust her serum so that like it will work on divergent people. But like then if she needs to do that research, it like still makes no sense why this random serum she gives Tobias works on him like instantly. Like he isn't, he doesn't even fight it off. Like it just happens. Don't start me. And, and then, so they take Tris to be executed and Tris has like, you know, bleeding to death because she's got a, a big wound and she ends up in like a glass box or glass tank, like, just, like, her actual fear, and it's, like, filling up with water. But, you know, again, very convenient. Triss's mom literally shows up out of nowhere to save her, and then she ends up sacrificing herself to save Triss, because she's, like... So she comes and breaks in, which, like, Wait, the first, explanation first, for... we what, gotta... We gotta mention. What an inefficient way to execute someone. They all are running around with guns, shooting people on the streets right and left. Well, it was... Like, because they obviously saw Triss's fears, like, Triss makes a comment about that they're probably, like, sickos, like, wanting to see how she's going to react, like, when obviously she can't exit the simulation. Ugh, you know what I mean? So it's messed real. up. Like, just shoot her. If, well, that's Especially because Janine that's is... When, that's Janine in is, any evil thing. The evil people want to do, like, the grand, like, the grand things that are, like, way too much. Janine's and that's why they'll, watching That's her how get the good killed. guys get away. Ah, it just... Oh, it was so bad because... Janine's like, literally is like, we're just going to execute you because you're already injured, so it's not worth doing research on you. So I'm like, that's when you just shoot her. Like, I'm not saying that they should have shot Triss, but I'm saying like, they should have shot Triss. It makes sense because she's the main character. So like, we know she's not going to die. So. Wow. Yes. We know she's not going to die. So they obviously have to do something. Um, so it makes sense why that time and the idea of her mom, her mom worked because they're still in abnegation. They're in abnegation headquarters. So the the mom, Trissa's mom knows she worked in the abnegation like headquarters. So like she knows the tunnels and stuff, obviously better than like the erudite people do. So that's, I guess, the, the reasoning behind why she was able to find Triss and break her out. But then she ends up sacrificing herself because 
Tris's dad, her brother, and, like, some other abnegation people are in this, like, hiding place, like, a couple streets away, and they're, like, running away, but there's dauntless soldiers chasing them, and so Tris's mom is like, you go ahead, I'm gonna distract them, and, of course, Tris is like, mom, you're gonna die, and she runs away, and, of course, yes, Tris's mom gets shot, so she literally witnessed her mother's death, and, oh, also... Trisha's mom does reveal that she is also divergent, which is why she chose abnegation. She was, as we learned before in the last episode, she was dauntless born, but she like found out she was divergent. And so she chose abnegation um, because it's less likely, well, because in dauntless, obviously they know in the simulations, they're going to be able to tell you're divergent because you'll be able to manipulate yourself out of the simulation. So she felt abnegation was the best place to hide. Which is true. It worked really well. And she's obviously an excellent shot because she was Dauntless born, so, like, she knows how to hold a gun stuff. And she basically kind of, (laughs) like, Charles wrote this, that she pointlessly sacrifices herself. This part of, like, her sacrificing herself is just to, like, this is just to build on Trisha's character. Like, it's not really... Well, because the way it read was, like, they were, like, running away, and her mom is like, uh, you know what? I think you'll have a better chance of running without me. Like, it didn't really feel like... Well, it's the idea of, like, when you're running and, like, if they're being chased, like, they have a much... If her if her mom stays behind and, like, shoots at them, that's going to give Trissa a head start. And, obviously, it's her daughter and, like, she wants her daughter to live. So, like, I understand that part. But, like, as for why her mom has to die, it's to build Trissa's character. Like, now she has this grief to deal with. In addition to, very quickly after this, as Triss, like, tries to get away, she also is forced to kill Will... Christina's boo um because as because he's a mindless dauntless soldier like trying to kill her and it was obviously like it's it's him or her and she shoots and kills him which you know we'll find the consequences of that in the next book I'm sure but I was like that's a pretty major event that like that is a major event which does again it's all to build on Trisha's character of that idea of not only did she witness her mother die She's also now just been forced to kill one of her friends because of the serum and the simulation that, like, makes him wanting to kill her. And obviously, she's a fighter and she's not gonna... She's ultimately, in that moment, not abnegation, not selfless, because she's like, I'm not willing to die. Like, I will kill you. Well, yeah. Also, because it's not even like she's gonna... She's not... It wouldn't even be selfless for her to sacrifice herself because he's not even him. Like, he's a robot. Yeah. So, yes. And so then Tris does find her family and the other abnegation people in hiding, and they stitch her up really quickly, like her shoulder, and they make a plan to destroy the program that is controlling the Dauntless, the simulation. And again, all of this is going really quickly. Like, we probably spend more time discussing it than, like, it actually happened in the book, which is one of the reasons I felt more pointless for her mom, because it was literally like they were running, and it kind of, like, the way it was reading was, like, her mom was like, I'm going to go stand in the street so you can cross the street. Like, it just, it you know, it just felt rushed. I think, I mean, you said you haven't seen the movie. I think when you see the movie for this part, I mean, I don't remember if it was, like, good or not, but I just remember, like, I feel like seeing it, maybe you'll be able to feel the chaos more. But it's the idea of, in this moment, like, it's a war. Like, we're on a battlefield. Yes, exactly. So the idea but they of, were, like, where I they mean, were if, running. If you watch action movies, that happens a lot. Like, people will be like, I'm going to sacrifice myself so that you can keep going because that's going to slow them down. And also... I know that, but I'm saying that the actual scene of the action sequence, this didn't feel like they were in an action sequence. It felt like they were, like, running in back streets. 
like there weren't that many dauntless soldiers around them. Well, so then I mean why. that would be just be that the writing is not as like it wasn't as descriptive. That's what I mean. Like it, yeah. I'm sure Whereas that for me, movie, obviously, just, obviously I've can, seen the movie. I can imagine because I saw it. Like you know what I mean? Yes. No. I mean, I it totally like totally predictable. Totally understand like why her mom would do it. Like not that part wasn't unreasonable. It just felt like what they actually were describing of <laughs> you're like why is she why does she I was why like, can't she go no with her there's no one around why is she like going like saying yoo-hoo to the soldiers like drawing their attention <laughs> over there like that's what any because it was not fleshed out like it literally like, they were literally running through the back tunnels because her mom knows them and so then all of a sudden her mom's like psych you know time to die so you can get a two block head start well anyway so then Obviously, the pace the pace continues to quicken, I feel like, because then, obviously, then they make this plan of how they're going to stop simulation, which is just, like, end this battle right now. And so it relies on them, one, hopping on a train because they need to go. They Their idea is that the simulation is being held in the Dauntless compound and that Tobias is the one protecting it, like, based on what something Janine said before, like, she sent Tristoff to be executed. So they have to hop on a train, and, you know, these trains, this is something else that's, like, never explained, but are these, like, ghost trains? Because, like, they just have to, they show how, like, they have to run and jump on them. And, like, is somebody driving the trains? Like, do they ever stop? Like, they just constantly run, like, on this cycle? Like, is there, like, supplies on the trains? Like, I just don't understand. Like, I just have way too many questions about the trains, and, like, the whole book... Never answered because also the trains clearly never stop because there's no train station where like normal people get on. It's only the Dauntless people who take the trains and they jump on it while it's in motion. And they know like it comes like every seven minutes. Like 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 <laughs> it doesn't stop even when a freaking battle is happening. Like and Tris is literally like the train is coming in like 30 seconds and they're like, how do you know that? No, they're not like that. They just all jump on the train. <laughs> yeah, it's. <laughs> yes. Totally unexplained. Like, and here's another question that I had that we got a really, really unsatisfactory answer to. So they get there and Peter, the bully, well, the psychopath, we should say, <laughs> he is not asleep. And Tris is like, oh my God, he can't be divergent. But then she's like, asks him and he's like, I was taken out of the program. And I was like, that's not an explanation. I would guess that it had to do with obviously like for like the Eric's of the leaders, like they know that Peter, you know, stabbed Edward in the eye and like kind of what Trish says in her, like what she thinks is that, you know, they didn't inject him probably because they could already tell that like he had like murderous tendencies and like he didn't need that extra. He didn't need to be asleep. Like he could just do it on his own. I mean, I guess, but that's just, like, the bad system. Like, that that means that they're not very good at being dictators. Again, this is just a plot device so that he can go with them. Because obviously if he was mindless, she would have just killed him. But because he was, and also for him to be able to point them in the right direction. Him being alive allows for her to be, him to be able to point them in the right direction, and then he ultimately goes with them. Which, this is... It could have even been that he could have been divergent. Like... Would that have been such a terrible thing if he was divergent? No, because he's the villain. He can't be divergent. Okay, continue. Bad. Sorry, that's not a good enough answer that it was a plot device. But I agree with you that that is the answer. No, I'm not saying it's a good. I'm not saying it's a good plot device. I'm saying I'm assuming that 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 is the reason why yeah. she did that. 
And so then she just had to make up a reason to yeah, make it work. Yeah, because it's really unsatisfactory. But during this part, there's a moment that I just love about Triss because Peter, like, she, when she comes up on him, she's got, like, the gun on him. And he's like, you won't shoot me. And I love, she's like, people really think that, like, because I'm a girl or because I came from Amigation, like, that I can't be cruel. And then she shoots him in the arm. <laughs> and I just, and so she, like, she says, she's like, I shifted my gun, like, three centimeters to the left and shot him right in the arm. And I was like, yes, girl. Yes, you did. Because that is like, that's one of my pet peeves in like action movies or TV shows when, you know, the good guy like doesn't want to kill someone. So when they're presenting that thing of like, it's kill or be killed, like they can't shoot because they're too honorable. And I'm like, nobody said you have to kill them. Just shoot them in the hand or the foot. Like if you probably have good aim, like just don't shoot them in their center mass of body. Like they'll live. But you know what? They'll be in a lot of pain and they'd probably deserve it. So I, yeah, you could. I definitely, love that because yeah. I was like, that was just that was a great line because she's like, oh, I'm not gonna kill you, but I, that doesn't mean I can't injure you. And yeah, it doesn't mean you don't deserve a bit. <laughs> what did you say? I said doesn't mean you don't deserve a little bit of pain. Yeah, and then after he, you know, freaking stabbed a fork and or a knife in someone's eyeball. Yeah, and so that just made me happy. But then right after, because she's, I don't think we even said who she went with. Who goes on this mission with her? It's Tris, Caleb, her brother, her dad, which I don't remember what her dad name, dad's name is, and then Marcus, which is Tobias's evil father. And right after this, like when the rest of them come up, because Tris goes like ahead of them. Tris, Tris's dad is like, was it really necessary to shoot him? I just thought that was so funny. And she's like, yes, yes, it was. Well, this actually brings me to my favorite moment, actually, because this is actually the same moment. But it's funny because you like we liked it for different reasons. So you said that the then so her dad's like, was it necessary to shoot him? And she's like, yes. And then she's like, okay, we gotta walk. And it, her dad is like, he can't walk. And she and she literally says, I quoted this, did I shoot him in the leg? No, he walks. Like it was I loved that sassy moment of like, you know, she's like, he can suffer a little bit, you know? It's also like, just I'm like, sparing his life. I like, like that part too, because it's just like showing of like Tris is not like this quiet She's not a pushover. Pushover girl from abnegation anymore. Like she's dauntless and like if you're gonna say that she's not, then she's gonna shoot you in the arm. <laughs> yeah. So I just like that. I just love that she was sassy. She's like, did I shoot him in the leg? No. He walks. Like, that's iconic. Iconic Triss. Yes. So then they get up to, like, they have to go up the elevator to get to, like, the final simulation. And it's just her and her dad go because at first Caleb is like, I'm coming. And Triss is like, no, you need to stay here with Peter because, like, he might try to run away or something. And also, I mean, Tris is assuming that she's not going to make it. So she's like, I'm not going to send my brother to die. But I guess she's okay with sending her dad to die. But, I mean, I guess that makes sense. Like, her dad's lived his life. And he's abnegation, so obviously he's willing to give his life up anyway. And so when they come up in the elevator, like, they immediately get, start getting shot at. And her dad basically does the same thing and is like, I'm going to shoot them. And so he dies. And so now she's an orphan within a matter of, like, an hour. And then we get the ending, which... Here we go. Here we go. So, Tris breaks, like, into the simulation room, which the only person there is Tobias, under this serum that somehow works on him, even though he's divergent. And 
which is insane. Like, why were there there's not a single erudite person there? Like, or a dauntless soldier that they already know is under the crazy. Like, so he's the only person there. And so Triss, like, tries to talk to him, but he's, like, not listening because he's under the simulation. And they fight a little bit, and he, like, beats her up. And then all of a sudden, Tobias just wakes up. He just wakes up. From the simulation, and I wrote down that Tobias being able to wake up from the simulation has about the same rationality as, like, true love's kiss, waking up Snow White. Because his explanation for how he was able to wake up is he said he heard her voice, and then he was okay. And I was like, that couldn't have happened maybe a few minutes before you beat her, beat her down? She was talking the whole time. When she first came in, she said, Tobias, it's me. See me. He beat her up. He grabbed her hair, threw her on the floor. She's like, Tobias, it's me. Nothing. Pound her face. Kick her in the ribs. Tobias, it's me. He's like, oh, it's, it's Tris. I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, that part, like, it, it just makes no sense. Like, there's no. I have a really, I have something to say about it. Okay, we, you can talk about it now then. Because then my second also ridiculous thing is after that. Okay. Well, actually, no. Go ahead and say your second ridiculous thing, and I'll say something about the whole scene. Okay. So, like I said, that was ridiculous already because he, for one, it makes no sense that he was, which I guess, I'll, I'll give her this, that maybe, which maybe, again, it just wasn't written well, and she didn't describe it correctly. The theory could be that this was a new developed simulation that they'd been testing from other divergent people they killed. But because Tobias is so divergent, like, or... What's something that is mentioned, I think it's mentioned, I can't remember if it's at the end or at some point, it's mentioned that like Janine or whatever, they think that Triss is more divergent than Tobias is. So maybe his divergence is yes, weaker. So they he, mentioned that. So he couldn't break off the simulation as quickly. It took him longer. But again, and maybe it's because, again, it's told from Triss's perspective, like we sh- we could have gotten something that was like he's fighting the simulation like you know he blinks and looks a little disoriented for a second like something to show that like there's an internal struggle going on that we can't see but there was none of that it was literally like he just awoke all- for no reason so i would say that would be like my theory of if it if it, if it was written better could have been a reason of like what that explanation was but then the next thing, I, I just, it makes no sense. Which, so after he wakes up, she's like, Tobias, we have to turn off the simulation. And <laughs> I wrote that it's just awfully convenient that he's able to literally turn off the simulation on the computer in a matter of seconds. Because she sees that, like, on the security cameras that where she left Caleb, her brother, Peter, and Marcus, like, downstairs there's dauntless soldiers coming on them and they look like they're about to shoot them or something and so Trace is like Tobias Tobias we have to do the simulation and he goes in click 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 clack with the computer in like 30 seconds he's like it's done and then you see like on the security camera the dauntless soldiers like waking up and like freaking out and I was like it wasn't even password protected like I think they mentioned throughout the whole book the whole book once that they said Tobias was good at computers. Like one time in passing. Yes. He tells her once. But I didn't know good at computers meant meant that he was like the number one hacker in the entire world and that he could do just about anything in 30 seconds. Yeah, that was crazy. But, okay. So, <laughs> about the simulation. Like, it just made no sense. Like, when you think of the erudite are supposed smartest to be like the smartest They've people developed a freaking mind in the community. Serum. And this abnegation dauntless guy just turns it off in 30 seconds yeah it was 
he just like, you know, they've developed a mind control serum and he's like, psych, I can just turn that off whenever I want. Like, but okay, to back up, when Janine gave him the, so if we, hmm, let me phrase this better. I had a theory about the serum that Janine gives Tobias And if we needed Tobias to just wake up instantly, my theory actually would have been really useful. And that was, I thought when Janine gave Tobias the serum that, and he lunges at Triss, that that was him acting because he's divergent. So the serums don't work on him. And it was him playing so that he could like go, you know, infiltrate the erudite. It would have been a really good play that he's like, She's literally just, like, she had her evil villain moment. She's like, I'm developing another serum where I'm going to test it on the Divergent, and it will make you think your friends are your enemies. Ha, 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 ha. And so then he, like, lunges at her, and he's convinced her, and she's like, yes, my evil serum has worked. And then he gets to go and, like, tinker with the computers and turn it all off. And especially because, because there's no payoff to the serum, because he's able to just, like, wake up from it after she says his name enough times. Like, it would have been honestly a better theory, a better explanation if he, like, pretended that the serum worked and outsmarted the erudite, and then he's like, yeah, of course, Tris. like, we're divergent. We're immune to the serums. Remember? Like, I just tricked her. Like, that would have... And I thought that's what it was going to be, and then it was literally Snow White's kiss. Like, I wrote that down. That was my theory. And then... Nope, Snow White's kiss. That's a better, yeah, that's much better than what happened because, too, he could have said, like, he was going to try to go to, try and go find her, but then he saw on the security cameras she was coming that up to him. her mom had already found her and she was coming, so he wasn't worried about it. And the whole time he was working on breaking the thing, especially when he was left alone, and then he was just had to do the final 30 seconds Especially because, again, there. no payoff. But then they'd have to take out the whole fight scene. They should have taken out the whole fight scene then because he could have just turned around and been like, Tris, and she would have been like, oh my god, I thought you had the serum. And he's like, remember, we're divergent. And he was like, I was just playing for Janine. Like, because again, that also maintains the continuity of the divergent being immune to the serums. Yeah, it made, that part made absolutely no sense. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I just, I just really, really wanted to wake up. Yeah. But that's, and then they like, Hop on another magical train. They hop on a train the rest of them. So the people who are left, it's Triss, Tobias, Peter, Caleb, and Marcus. That's who's on the train. And we don't know whether it's like every abnegation is dead or how many Dauntless are dead. We have no freaking idea. Nothing. Because the ending is... (laughs) I wrote down Take it away. that, oh, wow, I did not remember the ending as being that unfinished. That is my notes, word for word, because basically the end of the book is Triss is, like, falling asleep on Tobias's shoulder on the train. They're, like, heading to Amity to escape, and she kind of mentions how, and then that's basically what happens, and then there's this random paragraph at the very end, and it's like, we don't know what happened to abnegation. We don't know what happened to Dauntless. They don't even exist anymore. And she's like, this is what it must mean to be factionless. And, you know, off we ride into the sunset. Like, that's it. Like, that's that's the end of the book. And, like, we don't even know if they made it off the train to Amity. Like, what if, what if Aronite blew up the trains, the gross trains? Like, we don't even know what happened. Like, there is literally 
no closure at all. Like, I did not remember this. I did not remember it like this at all. Like, I thought that the books were going to get a little bit farther than they did, which I guess I was just confusing where Insurgent starts. Because, like, I thought they at least made it to Amity, but they didn't. And, like, that random last paragraph, like, I also, I wrote that it almost felt like Roth, she kind of, she finished the book, actually, with the scene of Triss falling asleep on Tobias's shoulder. And then when she sent in the book and her editors were looking at it, they're like, this is not an ending. Like, you have to give us something, some sort of closure. And all she could come up with was this one conclusion paragraph that she, like, threw together in five minutes and it was, like, good enough. Whereas for me, it felt, the ending also felt incomplete, but it felt like she was like, you gotta buy the sequel because this was not closure for the book. And I mean, it's okay to write series and it's okay to like want to get money from people buying the next book, but it really felt like she's like, not going to finish the story so you have no choice but to pay for the sequel. Like, I was like, this is not a satisfactory ending because um, did, you, did we just miss, like, the invasion and genocide for a real quick second? And then we'd, like, turn that off. And then, like, we have two more fifths of the population, like 40% of the population that from Candor and Amity that we don't know how they feel about this. Like, it literally felt like she was like, hmm, I could give this an ending, but instead I could just force you to buy the sequel. Like, that's what it felt like to me. Yeah, I just, because I'm thinking, like, I, I remember, I believe, how the next book starts. And maybe she just did it like that because she, she knew it was coming in the next book and it might not have been as well done. I think all we could have gotten was, like, I think that we should have gotten them, like, arriving at the Amity station and them being, like, welcome to Amity. I feel like that would have been enough. Because also, like I said, we literally don't even know if they make it. We don't even know if they make it to the... Amity, like they could be like ambushed. And you and even something where they're like like the Amity leader is like 90% of the abnegation population is dead. Like all Dauntless leaders have been executed. Candor has declared war on Ariadite and like something to like something to set up. Well, because also I'm thinking of Because obviously for, we're setting up a sequel. That's clear. And that's okay. Series are allowed to set up sequels. But you have to finish the book that you've got in front of you. Like, we don't even know what happened at the end of that. Like, the first chapter of this trilogy (laughs) is her coming to terms with being divergent. Not being fully abnegation, but not being fully dauntless. Like, she's coming to terms with that. But we have not even completed that step. My question would be something like I talked about the hint that I, I talked about a hint Yes. Last episode that ta- kind of hinted towards where the books are going to go. I would want to know from you, if especially based off of that ending, like where, what do you think is going to happen in the next book? Like if you had to guess what the general plot line, like what, what's going to happen to them next? Like what are they going to do? What would you think it would be based off of what we've read? There's going to be more warfare. Like the other factions, like at least Amity, maybe Candor will get involved or not involved in this conflict and it will go to the dissolution of the the faction system. Yeah. We'll see what it turns into. <laughs> I mean, I honestly can't tell whether I like hit it spot on or I'm coming completely out of left field, but honestly, like that's what the book has been building towards the whole time. So if we don't go that direction, 
I'll be really shocked. No, yeah. I just, I don't know. I'll probably reveal the hint, like, pr- probably after the next reading that I got from the first book. Because um, I'm pretty sure within the first book, it'll lead into what that is. But that's why I was just curious, especially because, like, since how it did end, like, we really have, to me, it's really not pointing to what exactly is going to happen. Because just, like... Well, it's just, like, if you think about a series, like, the reason I'm frustrated with the ending of this, like, take... Twilight. We use Twilight and Harry Potter as, like, our go-to, like, series examples because they're kind of ubiquitous in what people know. Like, the plot of book one is, like, there's the tracker and Bella, like, they defeat the tracker. Like, they set up a sequel because whatever her name is, Veronica or the redhead, whatever her name is. Her name isn't Veronica. That's Veronica Roth. That's in my brain. What's her name? Victoria. And... It was still a V. Well, it was a V. Um, But she, like, we set up the potential for sequels, but we finished the episode of the tracker, he dies. Like, and she returns to Fox. Or Harry Potter. Like, you can pick a book and, well, like, even the the sixth book. Like, you know, they're learning about the Horcruxes and they're setting up what the seventh book is going to be, the journey of the Horcruxes. But... You still have, like, they finish the sixth year. Each book has its own story and a full resolution. Like, there's a rising action, a climax, and exactly. a falling action, and a conclusion. In every story, even though it's a series, there's still that element of a story in every book. Whereas this book, like, the issue we have with it is that it had all that stuff at the beginning. It's just that there was no real com- conclusion. It feels like the book cut off. Right before we got any kind of... That's what I'm saying. To me, what would have made the book better is... I think that they should have showed them, like, making it to Amity. Like, I, like you know what I mean? Yeah, we... And them we, talking to the emulators. And they don't even have to... For me, I don't think that they had to necessarily give the context of, oh, this many people are dead, or blah, blah, blah. Because, honestly, like, who knows if Amity's, like, even well-informed. But, like, the idea of, I think, just something of, okay, we know they made it to this safe spot. Now, in the next book, we're going to figure out what they're going to do next. Whereas, at this point, we don't even know if they're safe. Like I said, they're just on the train, these ghost trains. Maybe they're going to go to a new dimension. Like, we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. It just... Yeah. It just... Like I said, obviously, like, my brain, I just didn't remember... Like, I thought 100% that I did not remember it ending like that. It was like when we finished Sun, and I was like, I thought that I'd finished... I hadn't finished the book, so I came out of work, and I, like opened the book up, and I was like, oh, wait, I already finished? Like, I was like, that can't be the ending. But anyway, that was the ending. But so that was the ending, and that's that for the first book of A Divergent. I guess. So next week, we, we will be moving on to the second book, Insurgent. So if you're going to read along with us, go ahead and read the first half, which will be chapters 1 through 24 for next week. Yeah. And if you have predictions, theories, or questions, or you are also unsatisfied with this ending, remember you can always stay in touch with us on the Nerd Party website. You just head over to nerdparty.com slash contact and you select throwback paperback and that'll let you send us an email. And you can also get in touch with the network at large on Twitter at joinnerdparty, on Instagram at thenerdparty, or facebook.com slash thenerdparty. And to find me, I'm at C.E. Sheeland on Twitter and at Seashells on Instagram. And I'm at Asia Bonia on Twitter and at Asia.Bonia on Instagram. If you enjoyed this, make sure that you rate and review the podcast and share it with your friends. And of course, check out the other podcasts on the Nerd Party Network. But make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss us next week. Yes, hit that subscribe. 
Have a good one. We will see you next week. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.